Welcome to the Way Ministries Bible Study with Pastor John. Tonight's study will be in the book of Job. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by the Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Tonight, to get a portion of God's word, amen. Let's thank our Lord and Savior tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us, coming into our lives, opening our eyes so we could have a new life, spiritual life. For all who believe in the one and only Son of God, thank you, Jesus, for saving us and doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. We're grateful. I'd like to thank the core of the ministry to keep this going, one body, many parts. If you have a cell phone, can you silence it so it doesn't disturb tonight's study? <laughs> I wouldn't have to say that before I get started. Hey, here they are. Hey, <laughs> All right, we're going to start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, grateful Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we're grateful and thankful tonight, Lord, that we can gather together again, Lord, to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord, and learn more about your ways, Father. Help us to make your ways our ways, Lord, by crucifying our flesh and opening our eyes to your spirit, Lord, so we can have a new life, a spiritual life here, Lord, and a living example of you living through us, Father. Help us to achieve that, Lord, as we... Slowly grow in your grace and knowledge, Lord. Thank you for your matchless grace and tender heart of mercies that begin afresh every day, Lord. For without that, we'd never be able to go on to carry out your plan for our lives, Lord. We're just so grateful for that, Lord. Help us to always give that grace and mercy to ourselves and to others and to you, Lord. As we walk in newness to life in the Spirit, let us all recognize walking in the Spirit and walking in the flesh, Lord, how our flesh is always miserable, and always angry and bitter, and our spirit is always full of joy and peace and love, Lord. We're grateful for that spirit you give us. Let us always choose to use that, Lord, in our lives as we walk in this dark world, shining light for you here, Lord, as living examples of you transforming us into your image, Lord. And as always, let everyone be led by your spirit tonight, Lord, and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to stand and worship the Lord.
Jesus. change your life if you allow him to amen it's a choice we have to make each and every believer has to make a choice to understand we need to change all right how's everybody doing tonight all right it's good to see everybody all right it's beautiful nice and cool in here tonight right one body many parts don't worry the room is full of people the angels are everywhere the live feed there's people all over the world hearing this tonight amen we're all in this together. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. See what we got here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. <laughs> 12. 12 to 13, huh? Let's see what we got here. I don't know if we're going to stick with that. I'm going to stop this up in a different version. Let me get it right. All right, the Holy Spirit is going to be taken over as I go into these scriptures, so please clear your mind and prepare your hearts to receive the message the Spirit is trying to say to the church tonight. Amen? The devil's going to try to distract you. Don't let him. It's good to see everybody. We have four in a row, right? charged up right hey you never know someday we pray we'll have the church open every night for a message we need it we need it we need it every day every every day all right chapter 12 you got this in verse 12 here okay let's go uh one second here the computer's trying to mess with me One body. Where did I get that from? You mean that wasn't just something I made up? No, it's scriptural. Absolutely. Everything we do here is from the Bible. Every word that comes out of this pulpit from the Bible. And that's where I was going to stay. Whatever the Bible says it is, it is. We don't agree with what the world system is going into right now. We don't agree with it at all. We agree what the Bible says. We don't change it. We don't try to twist it. All right, let's go to verse 11. We'll go back this one. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. So the gifts in the church are from the Holy Spirit. All of us as believers in Jesus Christ have a spiritual gift. Everyone is given one. Every, every believer has one. Now it's up to us to find out which one it is and which one God wants us to use in his house. Can I get an amen here? And outside the church. 
We all have one. He alone decides which gift each person should have. One body with many parts. Hmm. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body, so it is with the body of Christ. Now, if you look at your human body, and if you were to go into anatomy and look at all the parts to, keep, to make you alive and keep breathing and walking, not just your fingers and hands, but all your internal organs, all your veins and arteries, there's millions in your brain, transistors, everything. That's how many spiritual gifts we all have. One body with many parts. So the church is full of spiritual gifts. The problem is that nobody's recognizing what they are or using any of them. So they put the burden on maybe four or five people in the church instead of there should be what? Everybody using them and helping out in the body. So the burden is not put on just a few people. Just like if you went out tomorrow and woke up and said, okay, I'm only going to use my leg to go to work today. <laughs> everything else, I'm going to depend on my leg to do the painting, the driving, everything else. By In a couple of hours, my leg would give in and I wouldn't be able to do it anymore. That's why the rest of my body has to kick in and take over. My hand's going to get on the wheel. My foot has to get on the gas. My mind has to think of the traffic, the whole nine yards. So if we have a, a church body with only a few people, the body's not complete. And it's not operating to its full potential until that happens. That's why we always have to see what it is and grow spiritually so we can get the church up and running at full capacity. Now, it says a human body, verse 12, many parts, but many parts make up the whole, one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves. Some are free, but we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. When a believer gets baptized, it's not baptism of water. It's baptism of the Holy Spirit. It comes inside the believer and resides in there, and he regenerates us. Now, if you want to get baptized uh, as a tradition, it's going into the water, coming up to, as a testimony that you're a Christian, all well and good, but that does not... It's not a requirement for salvation. Can I get an amen here? The requirement for salvation is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit comes into the believer and starts working in their life. And the evidence of that is things start to change in your life. You no longer desire as much the things of the world, and you start to desire more of the things of the world. And that happens over time uh, as we grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. Can I get an amen here? Not hard to figure out. All right, some are Jews, some, but we all have been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body was an ear, how would you smell anything? So we're saying, if everybody used the same gift in the church, how can anything else take place? Like, everybody can't be a pastor. Everybody can't, be, can't sing. Not everybody can help clean. Not everybody can help take collections. Not, it's, it's a gift, there's all kinds of gifts in the church. Missionaries, whatever it might be, the live feed, whatever it is. But not one person can do that. 
It's all part of one thing that makes it complete. That's what completes the body. So now it says in verse 18, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. When God builds his house in God's way, we don't go and solicit God. God sends the people into the church that want to hear the truth. Can I get an amen here? We don't go door to door knocking and tell them, hey, the church. If I go over there next door, knock on the door and say, hey, you know, we got a church over here across the street. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> they know exactly this is where the church is. They don't need me to go to the door and tell them that. The Holy Spirit will nudge on them to tell them that. And if they're in the wrong church, they'll nudge them to come to the right church. It's teaching truth. But there's one thing that we always have to say. The Bible, the Bible says not to forsake the assembly or the body. Because Jesus is the head of the vine, which is the church. If you're not connected to a church, you're not connected to Jesus. You're an island unto yourself. And you're like, it's like you're out there in the wilderness trying to do God's work. That's not how it works. You have to stay connected like we are tonight. And then we go out and do the mission. But then we come back together again and recharge and go back out again and do the mission. So we don't lose track and we keep ourselves in a secure footing with the Lord. Because Paul said, you know, after preaching, I don't want to become disqualified either. I have to check myself all the time. And we all have to do that before we wreck ourselves. Usually we wreck ourselves, then we check ourselves. We don't have to do that anymore. Now we have somebody to guide us before that happens. We have the Holy Spirit now. Now it says, verse 19, how strange your body would be if it only had one pot. Just imagine, you know, Cyclops, right? One big eye in the middle. We'd be all deformed looking, right? But that's unfortunate how a lot of churches have to operate because not everybody gets this. Doesn't get it. God saved me. Why did he save me? So I can build his church and bring others into the kingdom. It has nothing to do with me anymore. He never saved me for myself. He saved me for his glory. He said, I'm going to stop saving my, uh, doing things myself because that was the problem to begin with. Now when I start serving the Lord, my problems start to what? Go away. Because I'm not the problem anymore. Uh, Jesus is the solution. There's a song, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. What are you going to go back to after you find this? What are you going to go back to? Nothing else is ever going to satisfy you ever again. Once you have this, you can try to go back in the world and get fulfillment. You're worse off than before. Yeah, it's insatiable. You can't get enough of anything. <laughs> Look at verse 20. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Every part of the body has to be, uh, has to be operating for me to effectively come up here and do this. Because if, I didn't, if somebody didn't empty the bathroom or clean the bathroom, I'd have to clean the bathrooms. I wouldn't be able to prepare a message. You know what I mean? So that's just as important as me doing this. Somebody that takes out the trash. That's what it's trying to say. The ones that seem least important is the most important part of it. The vacuum is so the church looks clean. Somebody walks in that's new, sees stuff all over the floor and dirt everywhere. They say, what kind of church is this? God's house should be clean. It's to make an example to the rest of the world that we're, 
God's children and we honor his house. His house is more important than our house. It's supposed to be that way. Back in the Old Testament, he was rebuking his people saying, you left my house in shambles to go build yours. My house lays in ruins while you go build your house. What's wrong with this picture? Without God's house, we don't have a house. But you have to understand, when you have the Spirit, you're not selfish anymore. See, the Spirit makes us very selfless. We don't think of ourselves anymore. We self-sacrifice for other people so they can benefit from it. We don't just think of ourselves and what I need to get. It's a we thing now. It's what we need to do to make the body operate properly. Not just what I need to get. I need to come to church. I need to get a message. Yes, you need to get a message for what? For the rest of the body so we could all work together. So we could stay pure. I need you just as much as you need me. Everybody in here is just as important to each other in the church. Everybody. It's not like some churches say, oh, they, they let the women, they degrade the women, they don't let them speak and everything. Jesus had women all around him his whole life. Apostle Paul had women all around him, helping him, feeding him, clothing him, sewing his clothes for him. Just imagine if there was no women, forget it, we'd be a mess. The men would be a mess. We would be a mess. We'd be all mismatched and everything. We'd be looking all shabby, wearing underwear for three years with holes in it, you know what I mean? And never changing them. Till your wife finally throws them out and puts new ones in the drawer for you. Without you knowing it. Because she wants to say, look. Skumbaririatize me. You're embarrassing me. Say, what if something happens and you're going to go to the emergency room and you're going to take your, your, your pants off? Say, what the heck is that? It's supposed to be white underwear, not brown one. You know what I'm saying though? That's why it's so important for a church not just to oh, or have click. It's one thing we don't want to ever do is be clicky. Everybody is just as equal. We're all friends with each other. Somebody new walks in, we're just as friendly with them as we are with people that started the ministry. We don't get jealous of them. We love them. We don't envy anybody. That's what the love fruit of the Spirit is. It's not wanting what everybody else has. There's no such thing as seniority in the church. A new believer is just as important as one that's been here for 20 years. Amen. We need them just as much. Because those are the ones that light us on fire again. Amen. When the new believer comes in on fire for God, it sparks up the ones that have been sitting on the pew like this for years. <laughs> oh, what am I going to do? They're like constipated, spiritually constipated. <laughs> A new believer comes in, wants to do this, wants to do that. It spurs on the other ones to want to do something now. Because they've been stagnant, you know what I mean? Because they make them come in, they make them look bad. Say, hey, I'll do it. I'll do this, I'll do that. Hey, what do you want me to do? I'll do everything. They're doing everything. It makes the old, the old believers like, hey, what about me? I want to do something too. Yeah, no kidding. Wake up. And that's, what, that's why we have, that's why it circulates like that. One body with many parts. And God sends them in, and God takes them out. He wants his church pure. He wants a pure bride. And that's why we don't go out and just say, oh, anybody can come. No, you come. You come, yeah, we, we want everybody to come, but you have to repent of your sins. You don't come and you don't bring sin into the church. You leave sin at the door. 
We're here to worship God. We come, we come to get rid of our sins, not to keep them. Yeah, okay. Let's get it right. We're all becoming like Christ. And that takes a long time. But it takes what? Confession and repentance daily of our old ways to the new way. Beautiful. Now, so we can, look what it says in verse 23. In the past we regard less as honorable, uh, those we clothed with the greatest care. So we can we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such an extra, extra honor and gives and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. And how what, what what's the result of that? This makes for harmony among the members. Because the people that think they're not that important because they do all the other stuff. When you, make, when you say you're just as important, that gives us harmony. Nobody's trying to one-up on anybody else, but all equal. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. And that's the way we want to keep it here. No pride, no seniority. Ask me, I, what about me? I want to do this, I want to do that. I don't want no, nobody else let, let anybody do anything. I want to do it all. I'm a spiritual pig. No, 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 no. No, you're supposed to let everybody do something. Give everybody an opportunity to do something. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. So I'm not going to go into the, the, the things of the spirit, uh, what the gifts are, because we'll be here the rest of the night. So we'll stop there, and we're going to get into this again, though, because people have to recognize what the gifts are. The foundational gifts and ones that are still operating. All right, let's go into our study. Does everybody remember where we left off? I'm sure somebody does. It, it was 13. You're close enough. We were going to back anywhere to 11 anyway, so. But I just want to summarize a little bit what we're, what we're understanding here. Job is an awesome book. You know, uh, all the complaining that I've done all my life when I read the book of Job, so I gotta shut up, man. Yeah. Job had every right to complain what happened to him. I got no right to complain about anything. God's blessed me beyond measure than what I could ever deserve right now in my life. All right. The book of Job, just listen now, contains some of the most complex and beautiful Hebrew poetry in the Bible. This book is likely set in the patriarchal period and follows an Uzite named Job. Job, having previously been blessed, is tried by personal loss and challenged by his friends. Even though he had done no wrong, he wrestles with the worldview his friends share that suffering is caused by sin and the righteous will not suffer. Finally, Job takes his yearnings for answers to the Lord, and the Lord comes to Job, ultimately leading to Job's blessings being multiplied and his admittance into God's presence. The book's structure can generally be summarized as a five-part drama. Listen now. One, Job is tried and afflicted, chapters one and two. Two, Job's dispute with his three friends given a poetic form, chapters three to 31. Three, a monologue by Elihu, chapters 32 to 37. 
Four, the Lord's two divine speeches ultimately leading to Job's admission to the presence of the Lord, Job 38, 42, and 6. And five, an epilogue detailing Job's blessing following his encounter. So it's all in sequence. Job gets tested. The friends come in and hammer him. Then they start questioning God. Then Elihu gives the right response to what God's ways are. Then God talks to Job. Job sits down and he doesn't say, Poor Job, I know I did a lot to you, but it's okay. No, he didn't say none of that, did he? He didn't have to, he didn't say sorry to Job for testing him. He said, sit down. I got some questions for you and you must answer them. And Job said, all right, I'm going to shut up now. I already opened my mouth too much. He said, all right. He said, where were you when I put this all together? Where were you when I created all this? Are you stronger than Leviathan? Can you make Leviathan scales the way I made them so nothing can penetrate them? Job was like, humana, 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 humana. Yeah. And all of his friends that thought they knew God got it all wrong. Only one of them didn't get rebuked, and that was Elihu. And when we get into that, we'll understand why. All right, let's go to chapter 7. We're going to go to verse 11. <laughs> Oliver, you had it right, see? But we were actually in 13, so. But you know me, I always back up, so. I back up with that, I back up with this, just so we can get the context of what we're, we're learning. Job was in so much agony, he said in verse 11, I cannot keep from speaking. I must express my anguish. My bitter soul must complain. Can anybody relate to that? Our bitter souls must complain. All right, now listen. Before we move on, Job felt deep anguish and bitterness, and he spoke honestly to God about his feelings to let out his frustration. So he was real with God, which we should also be real with God too. But the thing of it is, if we're going to complain, we go to God, we don't go to people. See, when you complain about God to other people, you're gossiping about your own creator. Think about it. When you go to other people complaining about God, you're gossiping about God. Instead of going right to God. Can I get an amen here? You really want to talk about God? You better talk good about him, that's for sure. Because he's listening. If we express our feelings to God, we can deal with them without exploding in harsh words and actions. How many of us just what? Explode. How many of us explode with anger still? When they're frustrated? Come on now. No, none of us, right? Yeah, I don't explode. Liar, liar, pants on fire. All of us do. When we're frustrated, we don't get our way, we get angry and we explode. We're a bunch of volcanoes. He's saying, if we would express our feelings to God, we could deal with them without exploding in harsh words and actions. We're supposed to go to God with that, not to the people next to us. Possibly hurting ourselves and others. We're supposed to be godly men and godly women, not lashing out, hurting other people. We're supposed to be what? Loving other people. Harsh words and actions, that hurts people. The next time strong emotions threaten to overwhelm you, express them openly to God in prayer. This will help you gain an eternal perspective on the situation 
right? And give you greater ability to deal with it constructively. How many of us make the same mistakes over and over again? Still firing bullets at our, our spouses, blaming them, saying this, saying that to them. When we say, how long have I been a Christian? Why am I still doing that? Because I'm still stuck in myself. That's why. In my anger. Church doesn't, just coming to church doesn't change you. Doing things God's way changes you. Saying, you know what? I'm not going to open my mouth. I'm going to go to God with this. I'm not going to go to my wife tonight. I'm going to go to God with this. I'm going to leave it in his hands. And if I can't do that, that means I'm not growing spiritually. I'm still a, Christ, a little baby Christian, still whining when I can't get my way. Can I get any men here? Because if you realize that if you're still doing that and you've been coming to church for years, the outward things don't change that. Coming to church and reading the Bible don't change it. Applying it changes it. How about a big amen there? Now he says in verse 12, I like this. He says, am I a sea monster or a dragon that you must place me unto God? Now listen, he's not talking to anybody else but God right now. He's not, see what he's saying? Job stopped talking to Eliphaz and spoke directly to God right there. Although Job had lived a blameless life, he was beginning to doubt the value of living in such a way. He's saying, what good is all this? Here I am, living for God. My family's dead. I lost my job. I got boils all over me. Well, what's the use? How many of us can agree with him at points? I've been following this walk. Why is this all happening to me? Well, maybe we won't understand on this side of heaven, but we can get an understanding that Job was getting tested to see if his faith was genuine. He says, am I only going to accept good for the Lord and not bad? That's what Christians want, right? Only the best. I want God to bless me. What do you want? You hear it all the time. Oh, please pray for me. I want to get blessed. I want to get blessed. How about saying, no, pray for me that I get broken so I could come to Jesus better. Because it's the brokenness. We don't come to Jesus in the blessings. We come to Jesus in the brokenness. Does anybody pray for that though? Pray, break me, Lord. I'm, I'm drifting from you. That's a mature Christian right there. He says, Lord, I'm drifting for you. Break me. Because I'm, I'm, I'm becoming spiritually proud, thinking I'm, the better, I'm better than everybody else. Please, Lord, break me. I don't want to be like that again. I don't want the man I've been rising up in me again. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because the spiritual pride is one of the biggest sins inside the church today. We don't want that in this church. This is supposed to make you humble, not prideful. The Bible is supposed to make you be able to wash someone's feet and love doing it. Not you getting your feet washed or your way. It's the opposite. Can I get a big amen here? The Bible tells us to train for godliness. That means something we have to what? Practice. So when you go home tonight, man, I want you to wash your wife's feet. I'm serious. I'm serious. Don't you think they deserve it? I'm going to do it. Why? Because we always take it for granted what they do all the time for us. But we, listen, we're supposed to serve them. They serve us more than we serve them. As the man of the house, we're supposed to serve our women. Serve them and love them because they're supposed to be the weaker vessel. Not weaker any other, not weaker, like I'm not saying weaker spiritually, weaker. Look, we don't, I don't, I'm not going to call you to, to like, 
fight a battle for me. I'm going to get Drew. I'm waiting. Because they're strong. I, I, I mean, if I'm going to go in the army, I'm going to the army with them, not, not with women. They don't belong in the army. Let's just be real here. This is what the, this is real. This is what the, the Bible has a place for everyone. But we're supposed to honor the women. Honor them. And love them unconditionally. Because I'll tell you what, my wife, she'll wash my feet anytime. She might put a clothespin on, but I wouldn't want her to do it. But in, in other words, I'm saying she would do anything for me. She would do anything for me. She would always have my back. And whatever she says to me is because she loves me, not because she wants to criticize or hurt me. Amen. What do I take it the wrong way most of the time and get angry because she's telling me the truth? Amen. Whenever you're snapping at your wife and ain't getting angry with her, it's because she's hitting you with the truth you don't want to face. But don't get too comfortable, women, because we we're going to do it to you too. Don't you get mad when we tell you what you're like either. Ooh, got quiet in here. How about, yeah, how, how come the guys ain't saying, yeah, amen, right, Shay? No, because we know better. We'll be on the couch in no time. But you know what I'm saying? We're supposed to love each other. That's what love, love is sacrificial. We sacrifice what we want for their benefit. And then if there's anything left over, we get the leftovers. Joy, Jesus first, others second, yourself last. There's people in the spiritual life that want them to get served. I want to get served. I'm, I'm the man of the house. I'm the one who's supposed to get served. Well, you got the wrong book. You got the wrong Bible. No. You're, just, you're supposed to be the one that takes care of the house. And make sure that the women are okay. Know your role. <laughs> Am I perfect? No, I'm not perfect. But there's a goal here. I want to be that way. That's what becoming Christ-like is all about. And if you can't do that at home, because that's the real you, that means you're a phony. That's what it means. We don't want phonies in our church. We want real. We want real Christians who honor their wives and honor the church and do it God's way. This is supposed to humble us. I come from an Italian background where... It's pride. Don't let anybody see you cry. Don't suck it up. But that's not strength. That's, that's, that's being weak. Being strong is being able to show your emotions and love someone. And if you, if you have to cry, you cry. Jesus cried when, when he was, uh, remember Lazarus? He wept. He showed his emotions. Men are supposed to show their emotions too. I was always raised not to. And that's not right. So what? I got to break free of that and do it the right way, God's way. If you can't say me, say ouch. Yeah, you know, we're gonna do it right here. We're gonna get it. We're gonna get it right. Our church is gonna get it right. That's what we're doing. We're we're on a mission to become like Jesus. Before we can go out and help others, don't you think we ought to be gonna get help first? We're gonna be on a mission field here and help each other, so we can go out there and really be real. And show people that we do belong to Jesus. So when we bring them into our house, we wash their feet. We serve them. Now, 
Look, the value of living is such a way. Job had lived a blameless life. He was beginning to doubt the value of living that way because the troubles were coming. By doing this, he was coming dangerously close to suggesting that God didn't care about him and was not being fair. Later on in the chapter, we're going to read in verse chapter 38, that God reproved Job for this attitude. He rebuked him. Satan always exploits these thoughts to try to get us to forsake God. Remember that. Our suffering like Job's may not be the result of our sin, but we must be careful not to sin as a result of our suffering. How's that? It makes sense, right? We don't sin as a result of our suffering. Job didn't sin as a result. Look at verse 13. I think my bed will comfort me and sleep will ease my misery. But then you shatter me with dreams and terrify me with visions. Imagine he finally falls asleep and he gets dreams and visions and nightmares. So he couldn't even rest. So he had sleepless nights, boils all over him, people coming up against him. He's saying, where's God in all this? Wouldn't anybody? Anybody would, so let's not go judging Job. That's why his wife said, what are you doing? You're still gonna honor God after all this? Curse him and die. Because she was so frustrated. Because she wasn't being patient. Like we're not being, as he's trying to train us into this. He says, then you shatter me with trees and terrify me with visions. I would rather be strangled rather than die than suffer like this. Listen to what he said. I'd rather be strangled, rather die, than suffer like that. Now, strangulation is not a good way to die either. Cutting off your oxygen. Like somebody putting a plastic bag over your head. That's strangulation. I hate, listen to what he says. I, I hear this, listen, I don't like to hear this, but I hear it. I hate my life and don't want to go on living. Do you realize when you say that you hate your life as you're just saying that you hate God because he's the one who gave you life? Ouch, right? But no, you gotta understand. But Job, listen, we, he's trying to give us an example of what we all do. Bottom line. How many times have you heard, I hate my life the way things are going? And, and, and instead of saying, God's doing something here. I got to hang in there. God's doing something in me. I'm just not seeing it. Because I am not acting in the spirit. I'm acting in the... I think people don't understand the flesh and the spirit. I'm going to have to teach you on it more. When you're in the spirit, you're not complaining. When you're in the spirit, you're not angry. When you're in the spirit, you're not miserable. So you can be sitting in church thinking that you're spiritual. But if you're misery, angry, and complaining... This church is doing nothing for you. You're in the flesh inside the church. When you're supposed to be in the spirit inside the church and practice that. We're in a hospital to heal. So what do we need? A lot of grace and mercy and a lot of room to grow. And as a pastor, I see it and what do I do? I still love everybody. I don't say it. Heck with you. you guys ain't getting this. I'm out of here. When are you going to get it? You're going to get it when God says you're going to get it. Not when I say you're going to get it. So what do I do? I keep moving, keep pressing on. 
and keep telling, teaching truth. And so one, it's, it's beautiful. Someday, one day, the, the, the switch comes on, right? And somebody actually gets it. And I'm like, you got it. Finally, you heard it. The switch came on. And I pray and pray and pray. Every, every morning, I come right here. I don't know if anybody, well, my wife will show in the video. I'm right here. Every morning, praying for everybody in the church. I won't go to work without doing it. Everybody. Not just us, the whole, all the churches. Because we're supposed to be in unity. We're not supposed to be full of division. That's why we're so weak. The church is so weak. You know who's to blame for America the way it is? The church is. Because the church are the ones that started the guidelines in America. America was, the, it was, was built on the Bible and the authority of the Bible and the preachers and the teachers that taught it. But what are they doing? They're keeping their mouth shut, not saying anything. There's the authority and they're letting that infect come inside. And it's becoming a synagogue of Satan. So now who's to blame? The church is because the church knows the truth. But they're not practicing it. Because they're afraid they're going to lose people and lose money. And it becomes a business instead of what? A body. Yes. Our church is not a business. Our church is a body. Yes. It's an organism. It's a spirit-led ministry. It's an organism, not an organization. Yes. It's the Holy Spirit that runs the house. And we're the stewards. And I'm in charge of the stewards to make sure the house runs right. He puts people in charge of things. And we respect that authority and abide by it. And if you don't do that, you end up leaving. God, listen, I got to answer to God, nobody else. I love everybody and want to make friends, but I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to teach truth. Thank God I got some friends. But I also got 503 steel on the mountain, underneath this pulpit for my enemies. Why? Because Jesus had, Jesus, all he did was love people and they killed him. So if I'm going to love people, they're going to try to kill me too. And it's going to come. It's going to come. We're going to have to like have bulletproof glass in here. We're going to have to, we're going to be, that's, it's going to happen. The church is already getting persecuted for sticking up for what we believe is right. We can't even do that anymore. But guess what? We're going to do it the right way here no matter what. Just like Apostle uh, Dowling Thomas said, oh, let's go die with Jesus. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to suffer with Jesus. We're going to suffer for his namesake. The real believers are going to really suffer. The make-believers are going to cave in and just do things the world's way. That's Jesus is going to separate the wheat from the chaff. And the only way that happens is what? Through pressure and fire. Fire is what separates it. So when the problems and the persecution comes, the real believers are still sitting in church and the make-believers are out of here. Now he said, let's keep going here. I hate my life and don't want to go on living. Oh, leave me alone for my few remaining days. What are people that you should make so much of us? That you should think of us so often? So he's talking to God here, not, not his friend. You understand that, right? He's speaking to God directly here. 
For you examine us every morning and test us every moment. Why won't you leave me alone at least long enough for me to swallow? He's saying God's like, he's like suffocating him. He won't get off him. <laughs> Listen to what it says. If I have sinned, what have I done to you? O watcher of all humanity. He's saying to him, God, if I sinned, what did I do? He didn't even know what he did. See, so he already connected his suffering to what? Sin. So I'm, I'm suffering because I'm sinning. He didn't know God. If he knew God, he said, no, I'm not sinning, so I must be getting tested. Just like any believer. Listen, you check yourself. You know if you're, getting, if you're suffering because you're sinning, well, you deserve to suffer because you're sinning. But if you're suffering and you're not sinning, you have to understand that God is testing you and he's strengthening your faith. Right. So you have to discern that. You have to look in the mirror and say, is it me? Is it me that the prayers ain't getting answered? Am I hindering my prayer life by living sinful and this, and this what? Rebelling against God. If I am, I deserve everything he gives me. And even if I'm not, I still deserve it because he's trying to refine me and make me better, not bitter. What do people get? Bitter. You're supposed to get better, refined. As a mature believer in the spirit, you're supposed to get better and not bitter. And God's patient with us. He says, okay, you want to get bitter, go ahead, but you're, I'm not giving up. I'm still going to test you till you get better. So you can be miserable all the way you go home with him. Can I get an amen here? He said, just submit to my will and you'll be happy. That's the problem. We're not submitting. We're what? Doubting. We're questioning God. Remember it says back in, uh, I, think it's, uh, I think it was um, Isaiah. Who are you to question your creator? Hmm. <laughs> Now he says, look what he says. Why make me your target? He's thinking God's like, here's the poor me syndrome, right? Poor me. I'm the only one going through this. You made me a target. How many of us? Poor me. What about me? And the Bible says, the suffering you go through ain't no different than what everybody else goes through. And people all over the world are suffering. So when you're, doing, when you're in the poor me syndrome, you are in the, and in the spirit you say, go on, I'm just going to suffer and struggle with my rest of my brothers and sisters. So be it. The good Lord give it, the good Lord take it away. See, that's how you know what a mature believer, a mature believer isn't someone who comes to church and reads their Bible. A mature believer understands God in his ways and accepts it. And glorifies him through it. You see where religion, how dangerous religion is? By thinking, by just coming to church, I'm, I'm, I'm spiritual. It's a lie. It's not true. You can come to church in the flesh for the rest of your life. And then what? And, you, and what is Jesus going to say? I never knew you. Get away from you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. So if you can tell me you love Jesus, but don't obey him, you're lying, the Bible says. These are hard things to swallow, but it's the truth. He says, why make me your target? Look what he says in verse 20. Am I a burden to you? 
Hebrew reads a target so that I am a burden to myself. Now listen. Job referred to God as a watcher or observer of humanity. That's who he said. He referred to God as a watcher and observer of humanity. He was expressing his feeling that God had seemed like an enemy to him, someone who mercilessly watched him squirm in his misery. We know that God does watch over everything that happens to us, but we must never forget that he sees us with compassion, not merely with critic, critical scrutiny. His eyes are eyes of love. Remember? 1 Corinthians 13 love. Real love is truth. He loved his nation. And he put them in exile for 70 years. Because that's what it took to break them out of their flesh. Did they get better from it? No. They got bitter from it. Daniel knew, though. He said, if you submit to the authorities, you'll be okay. But if you try to fight, you're going you're gonna to lose. Because I'm the one who put them there. So you're fighting against God. All right, verse 21. We're going to close here. Why not just forgive my sin and take away my guilt? See, he didn't have Jesus. Remember it says, oh, if there was only a mediator that can plead my case for me with God. We have that. Job didn't have it. We have the full understanding. See, here's the difference between us and Job. We have the full understanding of what God, how he works. Job didn't. So we have no right to do what he's doing. We have it. He's saying, why not just forgive my sin and take away my guilt? He did that for us already. Jesus died on the cross to what? Forgive our sins and cleanse our guilty consciences with his blood. It says it in Hebrews. His uh, guilty uh, conscience have been cleansed with his blood. So we had that already. He didn't have that. And we're still what? Griping and complaining. God's saying, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I already provided that for you. All that you need has already been done. Why are you going back to the Old Testament again? When you have Jesus now. How many... Churches are actually using things from the Old Testament and trying to bring them into the new. You can't do that. The old covenant, you can't have a new covenant and still have an old one. That's like, okay, I got a new driver's license, so when I get pulled over, I'm going to give him the old one. And they're going to say, that license expired. It's no good. You're going to go to court. So when you go to God with the old system, he's saying that system's gone. What are you coming to me with that for? You might as well go get a priest then and offer a bull. You're a living sacrifice now to God. There is no more temple. You're the temple. And people are looking for a temple to be built again. It's like... You know what they're doing? They're going to the Old Testament, right? Saying, the Old Testament says they're going to rebuild the temple again. They already did rebuild the temple. That's us. There's no more temple to rebuild. That's, that, and that's saying that the New Testament, the New Covenant didn't come yet. So people are out there right now waiting for it to be built. It's already been... <laughs> where the temple? The temple's been destroyed. 
What are they doing? They're, they're, they're going from, I think the last book of the Old Testament is Micah. They're going from Micah to Revelation without in between. Yeah. They're saying they're going to rebuild the temple again. We are the temple. He rebuilt it. We're a spiritual temple now. There's no more literal temple. We don't go back to the literal, from the spiritual to the literal again. They're bringing back the old covenant. <laughs> you know what? You know, instead of instead of becoming like Jesus, they're waiting for that to take place, living like like sinners, living the way they want. Well, Jesus, no, you're the temple. I'm cleaning you. I'm building you, not the building. I'm building you. You're the spiritual temple. I'm building you. From the ground up, Jesus is the foundation. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all on the ground is sinking sand. So he's building us. So what are we supposed to be doing? Becoming like Jesus till he comes back. Not look for some building. That's easier to do that, isn't it? I'm just gonna I'm gonna wait for the building. And I'm gonna what? Live the way I want to live. It says, verse 21, Why not just forgive my sin and take away my guilt? For soon I will lie down in the dust and die. When you look for me, I will be gone. So he didn't know there was another life after that. He didn't know anything about eternal life. We have everything. We have the progressive revelation. We have no right to, to, to complain like Job did. Even though we don't even go through a quarter of the smidgen that he went through. Amen? So let's just, food for thought, let's say, let's stop complaining, let's stop loving. Say, you know what, Jesus has got my back. He knows better, he knows what's going on. He knows the beginning to the end. I don't. Whatever he's doing right now is for my good. Because he loves me and he died for me. And then I'm going to keep my mouth shut and I'm going to love. I'm going to love my sin to death. Jesus, sin is the problem. Jesus is the solution. And the result is a miracle. Right? Beginning of the sin. It was in a daily walk. I love the way they put it. I can't even remember it. But it says, believing in Jesus is the beginning of salvation. Spending the rest of your life putting sin to death is the life of sanctification. After you get saved, is the, the rest of it is putting your sin to death until you go home to be with him. Simple. Hot. How strong is your flesh? I didn't think my flesh was that strong until I said try to say no to it when it wants something. I like what it says in Monday, get angry when things don't go our way or gossip instead of confronting an issue. How many of us still get angry when things don't go our way but you say, I'm spiritual. It's like opposite. <laughs> Spiritual people don't say that. We don't get angry when things don't go our way. And we don't gossip. We go right to, the Bible says go right to God. From here on and say, you know what? I'm not going to talk about people. I'm going to go right to God with that. Say, Lord, I don't know why. Something inside me makes me want to say something about them. But they're your kids, not mine. Yes. You deal with them. Yes. If you're going to deal with me, that's a 24-7 job already. Well, I'm gonna, uh, you deal with them. I, I, I got enough of my own problems, amen? All right, we're going to close there. Drew, you want to come up and close us? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word, Lord, that teaches us and 
directs us, Lord. I just thank you for the pastor, Lord, that preaches your word for what it is, Lord. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord, that convicts us and, and guides us into all truth, Lord. I just pray that we continue to serve you and give us the courage to move forward in your will for our lives, Lord, and let us have humble hearts before before you, Lord, and continue to work through us, Lord, so people can see Jesus in us, Lord. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, bro. Thanks, everybody. We're going to close. We're going to watch a video.